So David, you sound a little tired today. Rough work? Yeah, it's always rough. Yeah? Where they got you out today? Uh, I'm, I'm in Farmington. Oh, that's not bad. So I just read in the news before we hopped on here. Apparently there's been this cargo ship that's been on fire out in the ocean for quite some time. And apparently it sank today and it had over 4,000... Porsches, Bentleys, oh, yes. Lamborghinis, and stuff yep, like that. Did you that. hear about that? Yeah, it's more than just Porsches, too. It's like a bunch of just BMWs and just tons of cars and stuff. Mm. But yeah, definitely people. But what's funny is, well, I guess it's not funny. It kind of just sucks. But a yeah. lot of those vehicles are already like purchased and paid for at dealerships. And they're just mm. waiting for them to come in. So someone waited their whole life to purchase this brand new Porsche. Mm. And then now they're not getting it because it sank. Hmm. So they either I you know, have to get their money back or wait until another Porsche comes in. I'm sure which, they have some sort of like a warranty or something on them, I assume. I don't know. I don't think they signed the box that said, in case my car drowns. Mm. You know, like the the earthquake and tornado insurance that people get. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they signed the box on that one. Yeah. But can I just tell you how much I'm loving this weather right now? Dude, it, it legitly felt and smelt like the starting of spring today yeah what's well, 60 today and 60 tomorrow yeah and then until the, the weekend gonna, weather's gonna turn yeah i hear a snowstorm's coming in the weekend yeah unfortunately hopefully it just bypasses us and just sticks to the mountains yep uh yeah, around here it's always a 50 50 chance of either they're right or they're wrong so it's always a 50 50 gamble these days either way my house gets wind yeah yeah I definitely agree to that. I hate the wind. I'd rather it snow huge flakes than wind. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I just think we should just start getting into like the the rain instead of snow. I much rather prefer the rain than snow. Yeah, it's helpful. Very much so. All right, you ready to do this? Yes, sir. This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to... Bear River Paranormal Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This podcast represents the views and opinions of David and Shane and their guests to the show. The views and opinions are for informational purposes only and because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on this episode of the BRP Podcast, this is going to be part two 
to our interview that we did with Dan and Storm, our two awesome guests that we had on the previous episode. This is the continuation of that particular episode. We split it up into two parts because it was going to be over two hours long, and we figured it would be better just to split it right in half and then also give you guys more content at the end of the day. So you've noticed that last Monday we posted up an episode, and this Monday we're posting up this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy, and here you guys go. Now, the second location for you guys. Now, Storm, I'm going to start off with you. The second location, if I remember correctly, was Leslie's Family Tree, correct? No, it was the studio. Oh, it was... Come on, Shane. Media Riff, there we go. Kaysville, Utah. Yep. So, uh, Media Riff, what were your thoughts on that particular filming there? Uh, That was a cool spot. I mean, it was... um... Media Rift's kind of it's kind of a unique spot because um, Craig runs a lot of operations out of there. Uh, you know, they design board games, they're mm-hmm. making commercials, they're getting film festivals ready. You know, all kinds of stuff that he does. Uh, there's a recording studio. Um, that one was cool. I mean, that one was different as far as even crew goes. Uh, Joe came to assist me on that one. You guys had two more uh, people come on your crew. Mm-hmm. The band switched up. You know, we had Craig and. Uh, I forget what the other drummer's name, um, but it was all kind of, it was all relatively new. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, we kind of had more of a dynamic with each other already. Um, but that spot was kind of weird. I mean, even I did kind of feel kind of a different vibe there when you mm-hmm. walk up the stairs. And I know your guys' uh, medium did too, uh, mm-hmm. where that mirror's at. When yeah. You get up the stairs coming off. And, it's, and uh, for people who don't know, it's in downtown Canesville. It's kind of an old town old old building you know and the old part of town um and it's one of those buildings where the storefront you open mm-hmm. the door and you come straight up the stairs into the office you know? mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah it was that was a fun that was a fun shoot um definitely eventful for for me um, and yeah it was, it was fun but yeah definitely definitely had a weird vibe in some spots and I it was one of those one... buildings too that was it, it was huge, but it was it was put in the sections. So in certain yeah. sections, we actually had to exit the building to enter a different part of the building as well. Yeah, I think that one's a good example of uh, the last set we did in terms of investigation that we actually did get nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like yeah. absolutely nothing. And we're like, it's just dead at this point. You know, I think that the very last set that we did uh, in the stairwell in his second. Uh, business storefront that we did yeah mm-hmm. and that one's the best one because that's not it's not the most entertaining after the music bit that we did but like it just shows if you show at least a little portion of it depending how we edit it it just shows how real it was where it's like yeah we didn't just didn't get nothing down here and like you said even with that one at least uh because that was like a dis- disappointing and i think all of us were kind of expecting with how the set had gone before that that oh we might really get mm-hmm. something here you know, yeah. and I know you guys are probably used to a lot more of the ups and downs than, than we are, obviously. But I was really like, okay, like something's going to pop off here in this, here in this last set. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't. And, and you know, it's like you said earlier, you know, at least you still get to hear good music. And that, that one really ends well, too, because it's when we went downstairs and did a total acoustic set. And uh, so either way, you know, it ends on a high note. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you guys uh, switched it up and actually did acoustic on that last set instead of doing all electric, and that was a good switch up, and the song was actually pretty spot on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think one of the cool things uh, of the three episodes we shot is there was a different flavor to the location on each one. Uh, mm-hmm. The 
The Albion Auditorium, like I said, was this decrepit haunted attraction um, playing on a big stage to a, a room full of ghosts that used to uh, occupy the you know all the seats in the auditorium. And then when we switched it up and went to Meteor Riff, um, like Storm was describing, um, it it's it's a working, functioning day to day business. Um, so we kind of had a different approach. But it's it's not your average business. Uh, my brother-in-law Craig Nibo, who runs it, is as uh, artistic as it gets. So they have they do music, they do video production, they do they do game board uh, board game creations. And but uh, in the basement, uh, like you said, from one of the storefront basement entrance, they um, had had in the past. And one of the reasons we went to Media Riff is. People have experienced a lot of haunted stuff. It's a building that's been there, again, since the early 1900s. And uh, in that basement setting, someone had seen um, uh, a a full body, but only the upper torso, from the torso up, apparition walking down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And so when when we were scouting it... um, It's a stairway, so obviously it has a ton of, you know, the normal acoustics and echo and so it didn't make sense to try to really do a a loud performance there and i said well how about we just try something acoustic and uh, so we picked a song called till the end from motorhead it was off of the last album that motorhead uh, recorded before lemmy died and it and the song itself is kind of a requiem uh, i believe to uh, lemmy's life you can kind of tell that it's it's drawing towards an end at least that's my interpretation of it and so we just there again decided to try something new and did an acoustic number where before we'd kind of done more you know metal rock hard rock type songs and and Mm -hmm. i think it worked i thought it was cool yeah and i know for a fact years passed before we even filmed there there has been prior uh paranormal investigators that have checked out the building got evidence and everything like that so was that the basis on why you wanted to film there yeah so so um like i said my brother-in-law owns it and uh you know when i had told him about uh the concept for death and metal and of course craig is an avid and an excellent musician um he writes for orchestration um he he does the most avant guard bands uh he's done jazz bands rock bands he's done pirate music uh so that's a little unique niche he is always has his fingers in some music project um so so when i had told him about death and metal he's like man you should do an episode of media riff um he had a good friend russell cook i don't know if you guys know russell or not most definitely do Okay, I do not know him personally. Uh, friends with him on Facebook. That's it. But uh, so Russell Cook is a paranormal investigator, uh, aka Ghost Hunter, and they had done some investigations there. And Craig said, "Look, we've had ghost hunters here before, and they've gotten a lot of results." He says, "But you know, uh, I kind of let." He says, "It's a sought-after location, but I kind of let only people investigate when they go through Russell." Uh, he said, but yeah, if you guys want to shoot an episode here, we should do it. So, you know, that's that's what uh, kind of stirred us up on it. Mm-hmm. And I know we did we did our filming production there. And after we did that, I believe it was about a year or so later. 
and we went back there to do another just like a, a just a small intimate investigation with my team and the it was a stark difference between when we went there and filmed versus when we went there to investigate i mean we found uh greg was uh was uh he bought a used ouija board online and he was planning on selling it or or something i can't remember exactly what the story was yeah, there on was it. there was a client who was looking for it so yeah he, he just found one online to give it to the the client yeah and then um while we were doing the investigation, we we figured out that there was a Ouija board there, and my dumbass decided to open up the board, open up the box, and it intensified tenfold. I, I mean, just I was standing there looking down the stairs to the basement, um, where they do a lot of their green screen filming and everything like that, because they do have a separate set uh, where they do a lot of their filming and, and green screen work and everything like that. And I could just visibly see in my head a full on demon running up the stairs after when I've already opened up the box for the Ouija board and everything. Uh, David was negatively affected. Um, the entity was trying to make him, uh, astral project right there on the spot. And he almost gave in. Uh, there was a few other issues that happened that night as well. So I kind of wish the, my amount of activity that we got that night during the private investigation i really wish we could have got that for the filming part but that's just kind of how paranormal investigations go i mean we can go to a location it could be dead one day the next the next day it could be about as active as it could get you know so that's just kind of the reality of paranormal investigations and when it goes into filming and everything like that you can directly see that coming off on film that particular night that we did filming i didn't think it was um one of the best episodes that we'll probably have but we did get some evidence and we spoke to someone that was speaking spanish that have crossed over to the other side and everything so it definitely was a fun investigation nonetheless i just kind of wish the activity that we got when we did our private investigation wish we could have got that during the filming which um dan and storm got to hear about that and and craig was he was bewildered that that could even happen and he was all apologetic and everything you know and, and that's just it comes with the course we took care of the item we cleansed it properly in fact i think i filmed the whole entire cleansing process for that ouija board but it was just me and diana doing it while everybody was staying far far away because we didn't want anybody to be negatively affected but overall that investigation and filming was fun nonetheless it's i can't wait to see that particular episode now david what were your thoughts on the location yeah it's uh it was a it's a cool place there's a lot going on but it's one of those places that there was a lot of stuff in tight narrow like just the fact that they were able to fit you know a band <laughs> in in the main location where we first started shooting was was interesting for sure and then just we were in a place that's like a full functioning building. So, you know, you have a lot of electrical stuff going on as is, you know, yeah. and then you just had like just a few hallways to really peer down and do. And then I think just the bulk of our evidence that we got ha had to have been the basement and then just piecing everything together with uh, that Mexican family that was in the basement and with the previous owner that, you know, the whole story with that mm. with him sheltering them and then the owner not able to come back for them and then they died in the basement and then he died he also went back to the place to try to let them out you know because he felt bad at that. that's why he, no one crossed over 
you know, because they were stuck in a thing that they were still had things to do. That's why they didn't cross over. So, like, piecing all that uh, together was probably the best part mm-hmm. of that entire night, regardless of the filming and the band and everything. Just getting that type of history uh, out there that we uncovered that was essentially lost, in my opinion, uh, I mm-hmm. think was the best. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, on that second investigation that we did on at Media Ref, we passed those spirits over. We got them reunited, and we passed them over and everything. So at least there was a happy ending for that second investigation. Um, <clears throat> now, Storm, Dan, your final thoughts on Media Ref as a whole. Dan, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um Media Rift, like I said, it's a really cool building. It's got a lot of weird, cool energy to it. Um, the, the place where we shot was where they was their main office. But if you know Craig, you would understand. Uh, they're kind of just, um, you know, free thinkers. So they have equipment set up so they could jam all the time. So there is musical instruments, there's drum sets, there's amplifiers, there's computers. There's a ton of their props that they've used. They put on a film festival every year in uh, Kaysville, Logan area, or uh, not uh, Logan, Layton, called uh, Gangrene Film Festival. So there's all these props and everything there. Um, It was a little different. Um, One thing is we've never had a quote-unquote regular band that we've used because Mm -hmm. this was just a trial-and-error concept. Uh, we've used different musicians. Um, so when we showed up at Media Riff, um, Vince Gonzalez, who who played with us at the Albion shoot mm-hmm. and played with us at Media Riff and the third episode as well, came with me. And so Vince and I had been working on music a little bit. But Craig Nibo, uh, my brother-in-law who owns Media Riff, was on bass and he had a drummer. Uh, honest God, his name is Keith Moon. And... Uh, Craig and Keith just read off of sheet music and none of us had ever played together. So it, the music side was a little a little rough, but, you know, it, it was still fun. It, it was a chance to, um, like you said, see if we could do an episode at a existing business and see if, if it was viable as far as the production quality. Awesome. And I think it was probably one of the best episodes to show that you don't always get perfect tens. You know what I mean? You don't always mm-hmm. get something crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good episode to kind of show the real side of it, of just look, look sometimes you just come and you just have a good time with the crew and uh, mm-hmm. you get a little bit of something and you learn a little bit, but it ends on a dud sometimes. Mm-hmm. Although, and, and, although Storm had you know, say we didn't necessarily get anything on tape. Storm and uh, his girlfriend slash fiance Joe both had things happen to him uh, while we yeah. were in the basement filming. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. like there was nothing. Mm-hmm. No, it was a good. It was a good time. And I think that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a perfect to show that. Like, yeah, like you can't. Sometimes you don't get what the good stuff on camera, and sometimes you don't get anything on camera. Most of the places. That are filming that you see on TV. These are like known places, big places. You got hospitals. We actually went to just a, a little little store in the you know in a random town of Kaysville that no one's probably heard of, you know, and just like in a little tiny area, and there was mm-hmm. still some activity. You know, it's not like we were going like because Albion, Albion's this big place, right? So you go from one extreme, <laughs> and then we went all the way down to the other side to the the lower end. You know, mm-hmm. 
And then in the next episode, we go back up to the extreme again of one of these known places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, good point. Definitely. And also, I just want to give a huge shout out to Greg, uh, Dan's uh, brother-in-law, right? Yep. Uh, we want to thank him for allowing us to go there and film and also allowing us to do a second investigation there as well. He's a definitely, definitely interesting character. I actually thoroughly enjoy his company. He's a very bright individual, and I can see similarities between Dan, you, and uh, and your brother-in-law. I mean, you guys have a lot of different uh, interests, but you also have a lot of common interests as well. So I'm really glad that that... Um, that panned out and everything but i definitely um once we get done talking about the third location you know then bring in some context about greg i mean he walks like a freaking ninja i swear to god um but for the third location this one was a very intense one i would say this was probably the most intense investigation i've had while filming and everything and it's a very known location here in Utah. It's, uh, I would say, probably closer to central Utah. It's just south of Provo. It's called Santa Quinn. We, uh, we did a filming project there at Leslie's Family Tree. Now, that place has been known to be on a few different uh, major paranormal shows, Ghost Adventures, and uh, a couple others as well. I think Kindred Spirits was there. Was that? Dead. Yeah, Dead Files. Dead Files. Yeah, there, there's quite a few locations there, and it's one of those uh, locations that everybody in the state of Utah and the surrounding area has been to at least once or twice in their life. I'm going to have uh, Dan start on this particular location. What was your methodology on selecting this location out of all of them? Okay, um, Leslie Family Tree had been kind of on the radar um i had seen episodes that filmed there like i said dead files that filmed there ghost adventures that filmed there um and there's there's been if if you go back and kind of study it i think psychic kids maybe have done an episode there yeah so i I, yeah i I was somewhat familiar with the story of course if if you're ever traveling to las vegas you pass santa quinn all the time so you know i kind of knew the ifs and whereabouts it was but um there was a uh, paranormal group, um, Wasatch, which one was it? The one that Tim was with at the time. Oh, they, Wisps. Yeah, it was Wisp. Yep, yep. They were doing a ghost ghost hunting there. Um, it was January, and um, I went, yeah, I'll go check it out. So I signed up, drove down there, you know, where I have family in Kaysville. And uh, in fact, I had a, a an aunt who's passed away since, but she lived in the adjacent town in Spanish Fork. So mm, my condolences, Dan. Yeah, thanks. Anyways, um I'd gone to this ghost investigation there and so I kinda checked out the location and there again the building just had really good vibe to it, good bones and uh so it was a ghost investigation slash scouting and um uh, so anyways fast forward we're starting to do some episodes now with Death and Metal and I just went uh what what does this bring about well it brings about a good history of uh paranormal investigation ghost hunting so it kind of has a a backstory there but there again it has it's just a restaurant but it has a banquet room and i think where we had done uh the media riff and had done the uh one acoustic set i said this would be an interesting location because it's not a 
big, big banquet room. It's, you know, probably holds 20, 30 people. I said, we could do more of an acoustic set. And, and I think, let's just see what happens if we do stuff that we bring down the energy a little bit with the performances, you know, we're doing acoustic numbers. And so for that, of course, Vince Gonzalez uh, once again came because he's just a phenomenal musician and a friend of mine here locally. Craig, uh, my brother-in-law, again joined us, and uh, this time he brought a nephew, Aaron Nibo, because we still incorporated the drums. Um, so there again, we kind of mixed it up with different uh, people musically, but we brought some songs that we thought would kind of work, and we just wanted to see there again, in a different type of setting, um, what uh, what our results might be. Okay. Storm, what was your thoughts on the location? First of all, I think it was the best music set that these guys have done. It was Agreed. awesome. I mean, all the way through, it was, it was just, uh, and that was the best one to shoot too because we had the candles set up. I, I got some of my best shots. I, I took a couple of videos on my phone just that I was posting on social media that looked freaking awesome. That just, it was just a nice set. Mm -hmm. um, but I agree with what Shane said earlier. It was it definitely was probably the craziest stuff that we have caught on camera. Um, I think everybody and it was such a tight it was such a tight small spot in that uh, second to last um, set where everything kind of went crazy mm -hmm. that everybody was kind of there experiencing it with us mm -hmm. and you could just see it kind of send a ripple effect from like you, me, and David in the front. And then me kind of like just jaw dropping to the ground, sending that and like not being able to speak to like that kind of sending a ripple through the whole whole group and the whole group kind of just sitting there like, oh shit, <laughs> like mm -hmm. we're in it. Yeah. And but that was that was a fun spot. Yeah, that investigation, I've already had prior experience with that investigation. I had an, uh, a vendetta against one particular spirit in that banquet area. Won't disclose too much information, but let's let's just be honest here. It was probably the most intense I've ever been on an investigation, <laughs> particularly for filming. Now, there's been a lot of other different things that happened too. Um, I do know uh, your girlfriend got touched. I was standing right behind her, and when I saw it happen, because she kind of freaked out, you know, she was kind of looking around, looking down, and I was like, "You got touched again." She's like, "Yeah." And I was like, well, you're right there on camera. We just captured it, you know. Um, <clears throat> quite a few different pieces of evidence that came from that. But I, I, I would probably say the most I've gotten freaked out was when your brother-in-law, Dan, walked like a freaking ninja. And I turn around and I see someone standing right there. And I swear to God, I almost passed the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, a classic it wasn't actually, you know, uh, a ghost that jumped out and grabbed hold of anyone's soul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were, uh, the main dining room had a little uh, uh, area right behind it that they could either use for overflow or if you have a private group, it might have 10 or 15 people, four tables. And it's it's been known, in fact, when uh, it's been known to be haunted. In fact, when I did that uh, ghost hunting there with Wisp, uh, we had a portal there. Um, cause one of the members, David Ward, I had a pendulum that I brought with me and that pendulum was 
uh, about to swing off of its chain mm-hmm. when that portal was opening up, and David was just looking at it, going, "Man, I've, I've never seen a port, you know, a pendulum do that before." And I went, "Yeah, it, it's crazy." So we were back there trying to get some activity. There again, I don't think uh, the night we were filming, you were really getting anything. But Craig, unbeknownst to everyone else, had come through the banquet. Then it goes to the kitchen, then it comes to the front dining area, and there's a set of double doors to this little uh, overflow. And uh, Shane's right in the middle of trying to get some, uh, uh, doing the investigation and, and trying to get some, le- you know, make something happen. And all of a sudden, Craig walks through that door, and Shane just about shot out of his skin. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did the infamous duck and scream. <laughs> it was a, a great moment. Oh yes, I, that was definitely one of the funniest moments of my life. Just getting the shit scared out of me, and it wasn't anything to do with paranormal. It's just he he walked like a ninja, and I remember faintly I heard something behind me, and that's why I turned. And then I just saw someone standing right there, and I wasn't expecting it. Um, kind of had the same uh, same thing happen. We were doing a residential in, in Montpelier, and I was fixated on my uh, mel meter that's got the rem, uh, REM capabilities and uh, trying to figure out if we were actually communicating with the spirit or not and everything. And in that time while I was focusing on that, I didn't realize that David had walked from one side of the room to the other. So when I finally focused on there was a someone standing right there, I dropped to the ground and about damn near shit myself as well. So it, it, it is a, a common thing to happen for me. I When I get my eyesight on something, you know, tunnel vision starts happening, and I didn't realize that anything else was going on in the background. In fact, when I watched the video of that investigation, you don't even hear David walking at all, like at all. It's actually quite hilarious. I'll have to sh- send it over to you guys because it's, it's 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 quite funny like i spent a good hour just laughing at all the the bloopers that we got from that investigation but anyway yeah he walks like a ninja and when watching over the video because i actually had a camera propped up right outside the door so that way uh, i can uh, film the whole entire front dining area you can see him coming through the doors from the kitchen and he's walking quietly over to the door and you can see that he's trying to be as quiet as he can because we're filming you know so i don't blame him for trying to be as quiet as he could i just kind of wish he would have went through the other door instead of the one right behind my back but it's definitely good content for the episode nonetheless now, David, what were your thoughts on that whole entire investigation and the location? Well, I'm pretty sure that's when I saw um, the cup fall off the, the shelf right in front of my eyes. I think that's the first time I've ever seen an object uh, mm-hmm. move on its own, you know, because mm-hmm. they just had they had stacks of their, their glass cups for the restaurant in the kitchen and I was looking through one of those, you know, those double doors that just kind of swing and it had like a porthole type window in the middle. So I was just looking through that into the kitchen from the dining room and I can just see on this countertop that's like, you know, seven, eight feet high. And then just, yeah, one of those plastic cups just slid slid right off and hit the ground and just kind of freaked out on that one because everyone was like busy filming and everything. And Mm -hmm. I definitely, so that, I mean, that was in my top moments for sure mm-hmm. and then yeah things got a little you got a little aggressive at some point um not the first time probably not going to be the last time mm-hmm. um and that was very interesting uh it, it's hard to describe feelings 
like in the room of the weighted energy of what was transpiring between a person and and something that no one can see but can feel like the standoff energy you know Mm -hmm. because it's different when you got two people you can see are like button heads and you know getting aggressive and shit and it's different that way because you can see it and you're like oh man things are getting crazy you know Mm -hmm. you start getting that little awkward feeling it's that same feeling but it's between a person and someone that you can't see which is Mm -hmm. the weird part you know luckily Um, we had equipment going off that entire time that was happening so thankfully that was going off candles were swaying you like just like just bouncing back and forth like crazy you know that's Mm -hmm. how much energy was getting pushed off and all that um basement wise i don't remember i don't think we got too much in the basement either i think we got a little bit of stuff because the one thing about that place everyone it's known for the basement that everyone loves to go to Mm -hmm. um but we just we didn't really get that much down there i know we set up like a laser grid and stuff down there that we got one of my newer ones that was a really nice laser grid um but yeah it's it was interesting I think it was more mid, mid grade in terms of like um, evidence that we got mm-hmm. up until the the very end when we had that big standoff, and then once that was done, it was just like just shut down. Everything was like energy had dissipated and everything, and it did mm-hmm. its thing. And that's when I think we knew it was like this is a good stopping point, you know, mm-hmm. right right after that. But I think it was good. It, again, it's another one of those you know, it's a very small venue to do uh the type of project that we are doing but i because th- we had tons of bodies there in, in the end i think we had like 10 10 people right maybe a little bit more than that yeah i would say like yeah, 10 or was, 14 people yeah so i mean yeah that's a lot of bodies for that small of an area and you know when it, in terms of filming coverage there's only so many places you can go to film until you like literally within an hour you can film the entire place right mm-hmm so it was just trying to make that uh, adjustments and setting things up to try to make things each shot be different looking. Um, but I think it was still good for what we got. Mm-hmm. And it's if anything, you know, it's a, again another one of those. It's a good learning uh, curve to learn from anything we did there moving forward. Mm-hmm. So either way, it's a positive experience, I think. Yeah. So, Dan, in your opinion, out of the three locations that we filmed at, which one was your favorite? Oh, if I have to pick one? Um, gosh, they were all good. Um, me, personally, um, the Albion Auditorium was was really, like I said, it was, a, it was a location that kind of was in my mind with the conception of death and metal, and so to be able to shoot there was like I was getting the the premiere season finale best episode ever right off the get go and um, I'll tell you another reason that was good for me on a personal level is this was all just coming from uh, you know vision to reality will it even work and um, so we set up and the first number we do is Black Sabbath black sabbath which is just an iconic heavy it's not fast paced but man is it heavy that's the first number we play 
And there again, like I said, it, it's not an actual current band. I hadn't had a, had a band for years, so when we decided to do it, uh, I just found some people that were nice enough to, to say, yeah, we'll try it. Vince, Gonzalez, uh, Jason, and Vince played bass because we, we weren't able to pick up a bass player, so he jumps over to bass. Uh, Jason Valdez, uh, who was an accredited drummer, but someone I'd known from my early years and had played in bands in California, but just for this project had never played with him before he jumps jumps aboard so we play black sabbath and it is just heavy it sounds killer his good friend chris robbins had brought us some good pa gear and so it sounds rich it's in this auditorium we get done i mean we're just working for the first time with storm and juan and their guys uh shooting first time working with uh shane and david and we get done with this song and you could see all of it just went whoa this is kind of a cool concept that mm -hmm. i think this this works i mean you guys had gear going off while we were playing and and i think it was just kind of the moment of of bringing the concept to yeah we, we got something here it was cool mm -hmm. that was cool yeah storm what were your thoughts as far as what my favorite shoot was, yep. Oh, I mean, it, it, I'd have to say, I mean, it's it's close between you know Albion and uh, Leslie's Family Tree, but I think um, I think I say Leslie's Family Tree just because you know we'd all kind of built a relationship with each other by then. You know, mm -hmm. it was a lot more of a. I mean, all of them were great. I mean, we all got along great on all of them, but I think you know we all kind of had our dynamic perfectly worked out and you know, mm -hmm. we had everybody there you know Vance and had been to all of them and as uh, Joe was there for the second time and um, the rest of your guys' crew was there second time there so everybody kind of you know there's a couple new band members but it was Craig's second time and I think that was probably my best one just because of the activity itself and it just seemed like it was just a it was just a good production day really mm -hmm. David what about you I'm gonna go with Albion too, uh, with the the points of, you know, it was something new, brand new that we we're trying out. Uh, we're playing in this auditorium that's probably hearing music being used as an auditorium for the first time since it's been shut down, and however long that was, you know, the, just mm -hmm. the, so much energy that was resonating in in that area. I think because it's not it wasn't the negative heavy energy you know it was just a type of like almost as close as going back in time type of energy feel um, and then just tying it in with I think we got a, a decent to not a good amount of evidence on top of that which is always good mm -hmm. um, and then just yeah that was the first time I think at the end even during in the beginning I was like this is gonna work you know, because just when they're playing their music and I'm up there with just my instrument in my hand, my, uh, you know, EMF and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can just see every time he hit that bass on that drum, it pings, you know, just goes all the way up the levels. I'm like, that's just energy waves. That's just hitting my device. In fact, David, do you want to uh, go into more detail on that too? So that way people get an understanding like behind the, because that is a good portion of a reasoning behind doing music with paranormal investigation yeah yeah so uh like i said with the emf that i was using which i think it was the the digital version you know 
um, and it's you know it reads the Millie Gauss and stuff like that. But it's it looks like it's like the original one, you know, where it, the analog where it pings, you know, with the dial. Um, just every time uh, the bass hits, it just pings off and it goes up to a high milligauss uh, thing that the energy wave is hitting the device. Um, all their amplifiers and guitars and all that, you know, plugged into to all this electricity. So, you know, it's radiating of tons of uh, energy and stuff like that, even when they're not playing it. So just where they're at is like a central hub of just so much energy. And I think when they start playing their music it disperses that energy not only in the sound waves but the electrical waves as well and it can either have uh, a negative or positive effect on any spirits in the area not mm. to say that the lyrics of the music itself have anything to do with anything because it might because obviously you know we're playing more dark heavier stuff so that could play into a fact of you know interactions and how spirits feel about the amount of lyrics we're using mm. in general um, but it, it also just helps that it just sets the mood and tone for the entire thing. So that's an awesome choice in of itself. But besides that, I think just instrumental wise, it has a huge environmental impact. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that moment when they were playing their first session and just seeing all this stuff and already getting tons of, you know, things happening, I was like, this is gonna, this is gonna turn into something because we're mm-hmm. definitely, it's like putting, 300 em pumps in a room you know Mm -hmm. it's just emitting so much energy and yeah just meeting the band meeting storm and all them definitely you know after the we get to do this more i like the relationship we build up but then just that very last set that we did when y'all abandoned me that's when i knew your guys were going to be my friends Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you, David. I mean, the EMF that came off of all that equipment while they were playing and everything, and then I just get the feeling that whatever spirits were in that location just kind of just gravitated towards it, wanted to see what was going on, you know, because like, like you said, there probably hasn't been any live music been played there ever since they closed down, and that could have been, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you know, and so the spirits... I feel like they kind of gravitated towards all of us when they were playing the set and everything, and then we were getting activity uh, in and around them while they were playing and everything. Now, obviously, we were being super mindful, and we didn't purposely put our equipment right next to their equipment just to get evidence or anything like that. In fact, I got a bulk of my visual evidence that I captured on camera on the side of the stage, so I had pretty good amount of space between the electronical equipment in there and them playing to where I was at and we were getting activity right there in fact it was right there at the threshold of going downstairs to go underneath the the stage and everything and I know David got some activity out uh, where the stands were up on the up on the stage uh not stage um what what do they call that with the seating that's uh high above the balcony balcony thank you uh, I know we got some evidence up there as well while they were playing their sets. Plus, I had a camera up there as well, recording the whole entire thing. So, I mean, the concept definitely proved itself. It's always been fun uh, filming with these guys. We've only filmed three episodes, and I really hope to film more with these guys because, quite frankly, our chemistry and our energies and everything like that, we all mesh well. I mean, Dan, he can be serious when he 
needs to be, but he's also a jokester and he's easy to get along with. He's easy to talk to. And same with uh, Storm. Storm is more of a, uh, I would say more of a serious person, but he also has a fun side of, of him as well. And he's very passionate about the things that he is passionate about, like boxing and the nonprofit organization. And the rest of the band members, even though there's been a few new ones uh, that came in, you know, for the second and third episode, I still feel like even though we're not keeping a solid set of musicians for the episode, whenever we did film, I feel like everything just fell into place like it was all natural, you know. And the question that I asked Dan Storm and David, me personally, it was a hard, hard tie between Albion and uh, Leslie's family tree but Leslie's family tree ultimately edged out Albion due to the fact that uh, I feel like we got uh, better evidence there I feel like uh, we've had a lot of ups and we've had a lot of scary moments while we were there as well uh, the fact that I got the shit scared out of me by accident and then I was squaring off with an unseen entity with equipment going off and everything, that would be my number one choice. And then my solid, very close second would be Albion due to the fact of the location, the size, how dilapidated it was. Um, experiencing this for the first time, actually incorporating legit music with all of the uh, instruments there and having it work well with paranormal investigations, opening up a line of communication, so on and so forth, and plus free EMF for the for the spirits as well. Even though it is technically artificial EMF, they still uh, like that type of uh, energy as well because it gives them energy to interact with us. So at the end of the day, Leslie's family tree is definitely edged out Albion, but Albion is a very close second, and then number three would be Meteorite for me. Um, now, Dan Storm, now I know you guys are in the middle of editing these episodes and everything, but I think it has to be asked. Any more episodes that we're going to potentially film? I'm, I mean, as soon, I think as soon as we at least release one, I'm ready to go. I'm hoping, my hope with this class that I'm in is that eventually I'll be able to uh, start just doing that full time in the gym and be able to free myself up more for, for the for the film stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's really, I mean, the main, one of the main reasons I'm doing it. So I mm -hmm. get done with that, um, in April and hopefully I can get all my light, my testing finished as soon as I can pass everything the first time through. And, and then I'm, I'm hoping that just frees me up because I'm, I'm hating not being able to edit as much as I used to. It's been driving mm -hmm. me crazy. Mm -hmm. I feel like a deadbeat on the end of this relationship. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping, yeah, soon that everything will be freed up and we can at least start putting putting some content out there. Okay, okay. Dan, what are your thoughts? Oh, I had a blast. Uh, I do it again in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I, I suffer from the dreamer's curse uh, in that I'm always dreaming of uh, cool things to do and... and mm -hmm. Like I said, this was top on my list. Uh, I would love to be able to do another episode where we do a, a theater that is uh, not run down, that is active. And uh, of course, Shane and I know I've talked of a couple um, theaters where we could mm -hmm. we could do an episode, and it would be a nice way to f 
dovetail it, bookend it, we had the Albion Auditorium, which in its rundown dilapidated, and and, and they put a new roof on it, to be fair to them. They're, they're yeah. trying to keep the building going, but I mean, if you look at where we vis- you know, filmed it, it was, it was haunted and old and rundown. It'd be nice to do it at a theater that is uh, old, but is, uh, you know, there's a lot of these theaters that have been... Uh, uh, resurrected as part of a historic project. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's Shane. You and I have talked about a little bit about the one in Logan. Um, mm-hmm. What's that one? Smith. Uh, there's a Smithfield uh, Smith Theater, yeah, the Smith. but then there's also yeah. Ellen Eccles and the Lyric Theater, which I have personally investigated both of those. Yeah, I have not the, been to the Smithfield one. Yeah, and in this area, there's the historic Wilson Theater. is beautifully. Mm-hmm. It has a multi-million dollar restoration and the energy on it's intense. Uh, Oakley Opera House is a really cool theater. Uh, there's also a very cool theater in Twin. Um, shoot, can't remember the name of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orpheum. Orpheum. Yep. That, yep. that has just old architecture. They're kind of in the process of trying to... Uh, uh, restore it uh, mm-hmm. to its former glory and so they're always trying to get the grant money and stuff like that so mm-hmm. yeah I mean I do another one in fact and I, I have a couple other projects that uh, hopefully you know I can get together with Shane and David and Storm that, that maybe aren't as time and labor intense but I still think would prove to be cool twist on uh, you know the ghost hunting genre so hopefully mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I'd love to keep working with you guys yeah because to, to be honest you know between me between David and I uh, we've done our own side filming project besides doing the podcast. We've also filmed with, I've filmed with, uh, with another individual, Paul, and then we've also filmed with Travis and his crew and everything. And out of all of them, you know, you guys have always been our number one when it comes to, to filming these projects. Cause quite frankly, we just enjoy being around you guys, even if it's outside of the paranormal and filming, we would love to just hang out with you guys and just kick back a beer and just relax and and just bullshit. You know what I mean? That's it. Number one, baby. What do we win? Our company. Exactly. The beer. <laughs> That's all you get. I mean, <laughs> I don't really drink beer, but I'll drink something else. Yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, and, and it's just the fact that our our chemistry and our energy meshed well, so well with you guys that you know, quite frankly, I I see. Dan and Storm as a good friend you know we've been together for numerous hours on these shoots and everything we've been in contact uh, pre-production and post-production in fact we've already been up there to twin to well technically Rupert to film some interviews and then we got to check out the Wilson Theater and it's you know it's a gorgeous gorgeous building and the way they have it structured and everything and then we went and checked out the one over there in twin which definitely is a beautiful building we didn't weren't able to get in there and actually see the inside but the outside looks good the only thing that had a creep factor to it was the uh, distillery right next door had freaking mannequins on the top level and they had uh, furry uh, uh, heads on them uh, those uh, animal heads or whatever so that was kind of a little uh, off-putting but the actual building itself was was beautiful and you know we every time when we hang out with these guys you know they're they're always a blast you know yeah, absolutely. if people Likewise. can experience dan in his fullest he is an amazing individual and storm the drive that he has and the fact that he's just a young buck but he has all these uh, all these plans and future plans and and you know wanting to get married and have a kid but yet want want to still have 
you know, all the toys that he likes to play with and do film production and editing and everything like that, you know, we, we all meshed well, very well together. And quite frankly, this has been the funnest that I've personally had doing any type of filming with the past experiences that I myself had. Now, David, what what's your final thoughts on it? Well, I feel for Storm the most because, as I've said before, editing is probably the hardest thing about this entire thing that we do in terms of thing. Because uh, honestly, doing the location, going there, filming it, getting the money for all the equipment, that's probably the easiest thing. But in the end, it comes down to one person to sync it all together and make it look good in the end. So that that's always been, I think, our biggest thing that we've struggled with with any filming project we've ever done throughout mm-hmm. our entire paranormal careers, honestly. Um, so, I mean, I feel for that 100%. But that being said, I'm always down to film at any time. Like, I'm ready to always, always film. I love filming. I think it's so much fun to do it. And even if in the end we film 50 places and we don't do any editing on them, mm-hmm. it, it's not a loss because I still had fun doing it. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it is what it is on that. But mm-hmm. to say that I wouldn't like to see tons of projects being put out there, you know, I definitely want that for sure. I think that'd mm-hmm. be cool. Um, not sure if I can handle the critiques, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, we're always going to get critiques when it comes to this kind of stuff. And quite frankly, I mean, I, it, once, uh, once these episodes get edited and gets put out into the universe and, you know, if it starts ca- ca- uh, catching traction and everything like that, I want to keep this going, you know. If it's anybody that I want to film with, it's going to be Dan and Storm and, his, and their crew. And hopefully in the future, when we start doing more locations and start filming, you know, I I really kind of want to focus with this core group of individuals for the filming and everything, because it's been the funnest out of all the projects that we've done besides the podcast, because the podcast is always fun. Um, But the actual filming portion of it, being able to hang out with Dan and Storm, being able to hang out with you, David, and whoever else that they bring or we bring or whatever, it's always been a good time. There hasn't been any issues, there hasn't been any arguments, there hasn't been any gaffes, nothing. You know what I mean? So, it, for our past reference and everything like that, I feel like Dan and Storm will be ultimately our, our filming crew. As long as everything picks up, takes off, and everything works, and who knows, we could help Dan with some of his other wild ideas that he's got brewing up in his head, you know. He's not a young pup by any means, but he's definitely got a bright mind, and he definitely knows how to implement things. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you guys, and we love spending time with you guys as well, so hopefully hopefully things clear up soon, and we can get back on the grind and get some Mm. of our content out. Yeah, most definitely. Now, Dan, final thoughts? Oh, let's just say we had a blast, you know, it was, it was awesome work, you know, not turn this into a big love fest, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Yeah. I love you too. You know, it's cool when you can put a concept out there and you have to kind of be a little vulnerable and say, you know, I'm going to put this out there and no one will want to be a part of it, but you know, fortunately, you know, Shane and David came on board and uh, Diana and Rebecca in episode two and three. Uh, Vince, who jumped on board early, you know, and said uh, he's a skeptic, but 
Uh, I think we changed his mind uh, through yeah. a couple of the episodes. Uh, when he was practicing the bass alone in the Audion, uh, Albion Auditorium, he said the vibe was something he'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was little moments like uh, a media riff, the first song we opened with, and probably gelled the best for not playing with Craig and Keith before. We opened up with uh, Slayer's Season of the Abyss. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we finished up, Rebecca had a millimeter, and uh, on the bottom of it, it reads the room temperature, and it was 66.6, 666. Mm-hmm. That kind of blew Vince's mind a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, Vince, every time we did it, he just got more and more into it. Such, such a cool dude. I wish we could have had Vince on podcasts with us a little bit, man, because he's awesome. But, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope we get to do more. more. Like I said, I've, I've got a couple other concepts that I'll bounce across you guys and and uh you know i hope we can keep doing it i i thank everyone that's worked with us on it you know for being just free you know we're just showing up you know and everyone that put their time and energy we all have jobs we all have lives and to set stuff aside you know for my crazy vision you know i can't thank everyone enough so thank you guys yeah not a problem uh storm last thoughts um i mean just kind of what i've been saying man it's been it's been a fun ride i i hope we get to do it more um I know it, se- it seems seems like uh, I know I'm super busy right now, but truthfully, all of all of the busy that I am right now is to kind of clear myself out and hopefully get to do this more, more, uh, more freely as soon as possible. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully soon we'll be uh, get the band back together and uh, start going again. Oh yeah, most definitely, David. Your final thoughts? Uh, that's it. All right. Well, we want to thank Dan and Storm for coming on this episode of the BRB Podcast. We've been anticipating this this uh, meetup for quite some time. We knew that this was going to be a long episode, and it was going to be a fun and informative episode nonetheless. We definitely enjoy uh, filming and just being company to, to Dan and Storm and everybody else on the filming crew and on the band crew as well. So this will wrap up our episode. Our next episode... Um, is going to be determined we're kind of switching things up a little bit kind of changing some episodes around so just look forward to our next episode of the brp podcast but you guys have a wonderful rest of your day have a good one guys get to talk to you thanks guys bye-bye i had to do it okay god damn it <laughs> that was good i liked it You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.